This week on All of the Above with Norman Lear, Deep Star Julia Louis-Dreyfus sits down with Norman and Paul. Well, you know, there wasn't a script when I was first talking to HBO about it. There wasn't a concept. And my, my agent had said to me, listen, they're developing this thing at HBO about an unhappy vice president, an unhappy female vice president. And I thought to myself, well, I got to get in on this action because mm-hmm. it's gold and it's so amazing that nobody's done it before. Listen today on the Podcast One app or subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on PodcastOne.com. Seinfeld, the blood is over, but we're just getting started here on Seinfeld, the post-show recap of podcasts about nothing. And now here are the two guys who've had to put down the pudding skins to pick up the microphone. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here's Akiva Winokur. Keith, how's it rolling? I still haven't figured out what pudding skins are, but it's ro- <laughs> it's rolling okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't know what a pudding skin is? No, I have no idea. What's a pudding skin? So it's sort of like, have you ever had like a homemade pudding where there's sort of like, there's like a, uh, like a tough, like uh, upper layer, like uh, basically almost you have to break it to get to what's below. It sort of like congeals at no. the top. No, no. Have you ever had homemade pudding? Is that like, uh, no, I, I, I've had pudding, but not homemade pudding. Hmm. Yeah. I guess no one loves me enough to make me homemade. So pudding. what do you have? Like store-bought pudding? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm not a big pudding guy also. I'm, well, I'm, I chocolate. wouldn't say I'm a, right. I like vanilla pudding, but yeah. you, you know, you don't see it that often. I also like pistachio pudding. I know it sounds I pretty might, gross. I, by the yeah. way, I, like it, it does sound bad, but I would, I would actually try it even though I'm a picky eater. But like, I, when do you come across pistachio pudding? Right. Almost never. Almost never. I think it's no. tough to get. Uh, it's a delicacy, Keeve. All right, I'll try it. That'll be that'll be uh, the finale. We'll try pistachio pudding. Uh, we'll get some pistachio pudding in there. Okay, so we'll we'll talk more about that later. But here we are, Keeve. Uh, this is, I, th- I believe, a first. Maybe one other time. Uh, we are recording our second episode of the podcast inside of what forty eight hours, like fifty hours. We did this in like maybe ten episodes in. We did a Monday, Wednesday once. Yeah. Okay. So I have to say, like, and we also, you and I just recorded another podcast. So right. like. This is our third podcast, uh, and like I, you know, I'm kind of impressed that you do so many of these. Like, I'm I'm already You're like, wiped. I'm wiped. Like, I'm out of shape. You really do need to get in like podcasting shape. It is tricky. Like nobody with a real job that does anything actually physical uh, will feel bad for you, but it does like take a lot out of you to do. Right. You know, hours, right. In fairness, like hour. this is your job. Like I worked ten hours and then I did two podcasts. Mm-hmm. Like you. Right. You like may have done more podcasts, but that is your job in fairness. Right. Right. But then I'm sort of useless for like, uh, you know, 30 to 45 minutes. There is a refractory period after podcasting sometimes, Keeve. No doubt. But we are in that because we finished the podcast within a half hour. Yeah, well, that's so. why back to back ones can be uh, tough to do. But uh, luckily that, you know, it's different subject matter. So that's sort of like uh, sometimes I do like two survivor podcasts in a row. That can be, uh, you know, tricky about like, what did I, did I say that on this podcast or the last one? But uh, this should be a lot of fun because I enjoyed watching the blood. Yeah, wild episode. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on here. Uh, and not only are we recording like two episodes within 50 hours of one another, uh, then we'll be uh, back again uh, in just a couple days to record our next episode. So uh, this is yeah, really this is what happens be- when we miss a week. This really teaches us a lesson not to skip the week. 
Right. This is like we didn't do one for like two weeks. And now we're like now where it's like hell week for us. Right. Uh, and this is like when a team is playing what, like uh, the Monday night game and then a Sunday game and then the Thursday game. And you have like uh, three games in like 11 days or something like that. Yeah. Hopefully we won't go in three. Yeah. And by the way, since we're mentioning that, yeah, get your when you're listening to this, uh, stop recording and get your uh, takes in, you know, get your mailbag in for the junk mail already because that we're, we're recording that early next week. Okay, so be on the lookout for that. So we're going to be talking about the blood. Uh, you and I just finished podcasting. I got to be the judge of the hot takeoff, the first ever hot takeoff on the 32 Fans podcast, Keeve. Yes, you were the judge, jury, and executioner. Yes, uh, which was which was very fun. I, I would do that again. Yeah, it was fun. I feel like maybe we'll, we'll, we'll like produce it a little bit more next time. Maybe we'll figure out the format, but I do think it was a fun time. I think people would enjoy it, even if they don't normally listen to 32 fans. Yeah, I liked being a judge. Normally, I feel like I'm judged. This was fun. Yeah, it wasn't. It was less work for you. We had to come up with the sort of like the content part of it, and you just had to say that was good or that was bad. Yes, no, it was very, uh, very good. Maybe I could be on the reboot of American Idol. That would, by, Those jobs are really, first of all, you would be good at that. I don't know what your music credentials are. None. But like you, you would be good at like, you know what you'd be good at because you can't do American Idol because you need to be in the music industry. I feel I like mean, they American Ellen be on it. I know. I know. OK. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're like <laughs> you're essentially Ellen. I, America's got talent. I feel like that would be your wheelhouse. Sure. Talent. Oh, sure. Yeah. Because that's be a lot point. of nonsense. Yeah. Like you don't there's no like expertise in that. Right. It's just like sending out a joke. I do think you'd be good. Do you think you'd be the mean British guy at the end or would you be more of like the nicer people in the middle? I think I'd be probably more like uh, Howard Stern, where I think that he was tough but fair, but not like going like uh, OTT like a Simon Cowell or. Right. But they have like a cleanup hitter who's usually the mean one, like some, you know, it would be Pierce Morgan or Simon on American Idol who like the, you know, it's like Mariah Carey comes up and she says nice things or Paul Abdul, whoever it was. No, I wouldn't be mean like for the sake of mean, I don't think. Then like Randy just calls people dog 20 times and mm-hmm. is pretty nice. Yeah. And then like and then it's like the home run hitter comes up last. Yeah. They should get Randy Jackson back when they uh, reboot American Idol. I think that's really the worst idea. Like Randy Jackson was there and it was like the show was popular in spite of him. Yeah. All right. Well, let's you know, he'd be a good podcast. host on that. He, he could host that show. I think he he's like jovial enough to be the host. But I, I like he, he has nothing interesting to say. Okay. Like, the whole, right. the whole point of that show is like those three guys should be interesting. Well, right, yeah, let's this do this. Let's do this uh, as a, you know, the summer is coming on RHAP. Sure. Uh, me, you and Mike Bloom. Let's just uh, hash out every all the details of the new American Idol. Uh, but let's we're ready to talk about the blood cave and uh, definitely uh, some interesting uh, stuff going on here back from October 16th, 1997. Yeah. Um, you, you know, season nine, I think, is getting is getting a little bit less realistic every week and in in like the realism factor this week i don't know if it's there's no again there's no science fiction similar to last week there's nothing like oh that's impossible but there's like there's an absurdity level that we're starting to hit i think sure um there's definitely some big things going on but i, I didn't find anything sort of like patently offensive i feel like that i have oh not uh, offensive I, I, not have, offensive. I, I do have a red line with a lot of this stuff but i feel like that this did not cross it 
I, you could argue the 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 penultimate scene where Jerry is being dragged by a car. Uh, sure, for miles. you know what? If, if I had to say anything, that's where that's where they lost me. I think they they had yeah. me for twenty one minutes, and I feel like that mm-hmm. last that last scene was probably a bit much. But we can get into all that. So uh, okay. we start off with uh, the Seinfelds leaving. I feel like we have a lot of episodes where we start the episode and the Seinfelds are leaving. Morty and Helen. Yeah, right. We don't get right. Usually they're coming because like once you're paying them, they may as well have them for the episode. But I sort of I like the Seinfelds better when they're leaving than when they're coming. They had to go to a funeral for Marvin Kessler. He was 96 years old, but uh, Helen says he went too early. Yeah, he was out of shape. Yeah, Morty says, yeah, the age had nothing to do with it. He was out of shape. I liked uh, the talk about it. It was kind of subtle in the episode. They talk about that they're on a new program that they walk around the block uh, three times a week. And they eat a plum. Yes. And or at least just Morty eats a plum. Just Morty eats a plum. It's funny because like exercise has advanced so much in the last 25 years. Yeah. Where it's like, the you know, I'm sure if you go down to Boca now to Del Boca Vista, they have like 11 different like types of yoga classes and like they have real personal trainers and these type of people are actually like doing real workouts. Mm-hmm. Now. Correct me if I'm wrong, Keith, but uh, Morty Seinfeld, we have talked about his workout regimen in the past. Go back to when uh, he did a thing that attaches to a doorknob. And uh, you recall, uh, was that when Kramer was uh, dating Sarah Silverman? And then uh, he ended up thinking that his apartment was haunted? Yeah, Right. So we have seen him work out before, but that doesn't mean like he kept it up. I mean, he's not in great shape. And then when we went back down uh, to Del Boca Vista, when we first met Izzy Mandelbaum, uh, I mean, wasn't Morty giving Jerry a tour of the workout facility? Were they doing some sort of exercise there? Um, was there exercise there? I mean, that uh, we saw Izzy Mandelbaum uh, doing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's right. With with Mandelbaum, yes, yeah. So, uh, Morty Seinfeld has uh, you know been in a constant struggle to uh, get an exercise routine going, and so um, it's interesting that we end up seeing some fat shaming of Jerry in this episode. Uh, Morty says that you're getting a little spare tire there, Tiger. Now, we have seen Jerry with his shirt off as recently as, uh, what, the end of season eight? Yeah, well, we saw saw him with his shirt off uh, in the Devils episode. Which is the end of season seven, right? Right, but even with uh, shaving his chest and then yeah, sh- shaving his chest end of season eight. You're right. You're um, right. And so, I mean, uh, Jerry did did not come off as that he's gaining weight by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, it's a joke, right? He's not like they're fat shaming a, a skinny guy who's like two pounds overweight or seven pounds overweight, right? But even Elaine says that uh, looks like you've got a little pudding under the skin as well. So it seems like that the show is trying to say that Jerry has gotten fat. Yeah, I agree, but it's more of like a stupidity, like ingest type thing. Okay, so Morty and Helen end up leaving as Kramer is uh, coming. Uh, He talks about how, uh, boy, I heard about Marvin Kessler. It really makes you think if he could go, uh, which is funny. Yeah, by the way, we could we could do an hour on how the heck does does Kramer know Marvin Kessler, but we could leave it alone. Yeah. So um, Kramer uh, needs to go to the blood bank. He's got to go uh, back down there. He is uh, hoarding his blood because if he's out on the street and stuff starts to go down, he doesn't back off until it's finished. Do you think if this episode is in 2017, he goes to the sperm bank and not the blood bank? Uh, I just think there's more comedy that you could mine out of that. 
Sure, but this is the same show where that the writer was, uh, you know, imagining that his girlfriend's butt was talking to him, and they changed it to a belly button. So yeah. I'm not sure. I feel like that sperm bank takes on a whole different connotation. I mean, the plot of this episode has a lot to do with blood, and then Jerry gets Kramer's blood. So I, I think it's probably still the blood bank. I think if it's a curb episode, it's probably a sperm bank. Right. But what is Kramer doing that he doesn't know uh, that if you know he has some sort of like testicular injury and he wants to sire? Well, I mean, a kid yeah, you could you could figure it out. Or yeah, or he's just trying to like save it until he has a kid or something. Yeah, I feel like there's a hundred ways. You it, could make it. Like, I, I'm sure I, I'm not a faithful. It's always sunny watcher. But I have to imagine they've at least done a story where somebody is selling sperm and trying to try to raise money doing it that way. That could have easily been a Kramer sort of like a pretty base episode yeah all right so we see elaine visiting her friend vivian and she came out to see her she hasn't seen uh the son jimmy for years and um elaine i'm not sure why she's visiting vivian what the reason was that she wanted to see the kid elaine has no interest in kids right it, it, we don't really have any motivation for elaine to even get involved here yeah and so Other than her feelings are hurt, basically, yeah. when, when she's not trusted. Yeah. Vivian needs a babysitter for tomorrow. And Elaine sort of volunteers. And uh, Vivian asks, like, oh, do you know anybody responsible? Um, and Elaine is insulted. Now, where is Vivian set up here? Because, I mean, it seems like a major pain in the neck for Elaine to get from Manhattan to wherever Vivian is living. I always guess it's Long Island. Yeah. So... Seems like uh, like a little bit of a schlep, no? It uh, yeah, and there's no Mister Vivian. She's just no. a single mom. It seems like with Jimmy, yeah, single mom. All right, so George has a girlfriend in this episode. Uh, we really only see them in bed uh, throughout the episode. They really don't do anything else. Yeah, light and, lifting for Tara. Yes, and so Tara is lighting some incense uh, to set the mood. George uh, thinks this is cream soda incense, but it's vanilla. And uh, he it was like that. He's this has never happened before. He has no idea uh, that there are like candles and incense and things that smell like other things. Makes him hungry right away. Makes him hungry right away. And um, Keith, I'm sure we will uh, discuss this, but let me just uh, get uh, into this. Is, is this something could you relate to what George Costanza is going through in this episode? Not really, no. No, yeah. I mean, the TV part, yes, not the food part. No, neither one, neither one. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I want everybody's undivided attention uh, that uh, I don't want food, I don't want crumbs. Let's just all concentrate on what we're doing. I feel like the that. Task at hand. I, right, right. I feel like that I am often struggling with trying to keep the focus of everybody on like what we're doing. Hey, uh, don't pick up a phone or anything like that. I don't care mm. who's text who texted right. you. That phone's not going anywhere. The text message is still going to be there. Uh, we don't need to look at you know anything like oh I heard a noise. Well, who cares? I hear you. I, I hear you. Certainly, like a pastrami sandwich is above and beyond. Like if you were like, uh, yeah, I'm going to pop like a quick chocolate bar. Like that would be one thing. But the the pastrami sandwich is just above and beyond. Like it's insanity. Sure, sure. Uh, it's bizarre. Okay, so we see Elaine and Jerry at the diner, and uh, Jerry is talking to Elaine about like, well, what do you want to be responsible for? What do you care? If she doesn't think you're good enough to watch her kid. 
Right. I don't know. Like, it's, is it really typical Lane to be so concerned with that? But I guess it's just like her feelings are hurt. She's stubborn. So she's going to try and prove her friend wrong. Right. That we see a lot of the core four. Uh, they get slighted very easily and they often will want to do things out of spite. Um, I liked where Jerry said, uh, why do you want to be responsible? The first time something goes wrong, then people ask who's responsible for this. Uh, yeah, that's a good line. Elaine says that she could raise a kid. She loves bossing people around. Uh, yeah, she should have a couple kids first. They bust you around. Mm-hmm. So George comes in. He's starving. The vanilla incense drove him crazy. And I guess the closest place for him to get food has to be Monk's Diner. Right. Because I'm sure this is Tara's apartment, right? So I'm sure Tara lives like on top of Monk's, right next to Monk's. Probably. And so he comes in and he needs some pudding. Did you think he left like the second we see him? Like before anything else happens, he just like hightails it out of there or he leaves like right after he's done. The whole thing is very confusing. Um, I, I don't know what order, um, like what what acts uh, were completed or <laughs> incomplete. I get the sense that he just left. Yeah, I guess that makes it funnier. Yeah. And so uh, that Elaine is asking, you just left? And he says that he had a bus transfer that was only good for another hour. He had to get out of there. He was starving. Um, the bus transfer excuse just makes you seem like a huge loser. Well, yes, yes. But I think that's what they're going for. Very funny. Mm-hmm. So Jerry wants to know if he's putting on some weight. He asks, uh, do you guys think I'm getting a little chunky? And George, as he's stuffing his face, says, what are you talking about? We look great. You know what this pudding needs? Uh, and he talks about the skin on the top. Uh, and Elaine says that uh, it looks like you're getting a little pudding under the skin yourself. Yeah, we look great is a sneaky good line. Yeah, as George is like stuffing his face. Okay, so we see Kramer at the blood bank and he's going nuts. He's uh, yelling about all of the hidden fees and service charges at the banks. Right. He, we, we sort of come in mid scene, which is a little bit rare for Seinfeld, where he's already like dealt with like the customer service and it's just like a quick scene just to show that he's leaving the blood bank right i i do like these scenes though where kramer is sort of like hysterical about something and then he's dealing with like a real world person uh usually they're meaner to him than this person right yeah um so right i think you pointed this out but just seeing the core four interact with the actual (laughs) human beings is you know is is an eye-opener always uh he's pulling his blood from the blood bank uh he's keeping it in the freezer he says with my money so now we know now we know where kramer's keeping all his money all right so george has now brought some groceries into the bedroom uh with tara he starts off with some strawberries innocent enough uh chocolate sauce then he sneaks in a pastrami on rye with mustard. Uh, and, and then he gets out that, again, that's supposed to be the, the headline here. But he's also bringing honey into the mix, Keeve. Yeah, I don't know. Honey is the worst thing you could ever do. Oh, Tara, ter- I mean. The- I mean, think about what I, you like. If you brought honey into the bedroom just in general, your wife would kick you out for a month. Like, the, the, what happens to the sheets with honey? Like, they get ruined, basically. Yeah. Forget, I mean, uh, I... And what do you do? What do you do? Are you, like, just... Are you winning the poo? Like, are you dipping an apple in the honey? Like, what are you doing with the honey? I mean, whatever you were going to put the honey in or on, that thing... I, I mean, you put honey on a spoon, and that spoon is sticky for a week. Yeah, you can't even wash the spoon. I agree. I yeah. agree. So stop it. Stop it with that. Um, there's no you put honey use. on the strawberries. By the way, that's not the craziest idea, right? What? To put honey on the strawberries? Yeah. Not in a bed. I don't I don't condone that. But I feel like 
You say, that might work. I Someone guess, do it I, and I, tell us if it works. What do you mean it might, might work for what? Like it tastes good? It might taste good. Yeah, it might taste good. Honey on a strawberry. I, I guess so. I guess so. Um, so Tara is very concerned about the pastrami on rye with mustard. Yeah, I mean, but it's funny because Tara was up for like the like the condiments and like the small, you know, like the the fruit. She just did, doesn't like the sandwich. Right, right. Um, I, I love this that George is asking, uh, hey, do you remember the pastrami in the movie uh, Nine and a Half Weeks? Do you remember the pastrami scene? And she's like, no. And George says, uh, uh, maybe it was Ghostbusters, whatever it was. <laughs> do you know what movie it actually was? Because I don't. I mean, I don't think there was any movie with a pastrami oh, okay. sandwich. He's just making it up. Okay. I, I mean, I do think that the movie Nine and a Half Weeks, I think, is infamous. Like, uh, that's like a sexy movie. But uh, there was no pastrami sandwich in it. Okay. Uh, but I do love, uh, maybe it was Ghostbusters. Okay. So Jerry is back with George at Monk's. Uh, it did not work. Uh, Jerry says uh, she didn't appreciate the erotic qualities of the salted cured meats. Right. And he says like she was into the other stuff, just not the not the pastrami. Yeah. Again, I, I mean that I think that George uh, should have taken the single here, right? Uh, as opposed to trying to go for the uh, grand salami. Of course. I mean, <laughs> the grand pastrami. I think the, the, um, like, it's the story of every scene in every episode with George, right? Right. Like, he should have just taken the B plus and instead he tried to go for the A plus and he ended up with an F. Right. Um, with no F here. Yeah. And, uh, George says, really, food and sex are his two passions and he wants to combine them together. Which uh, Jerry ends up saying, well, how about instead of satisfying two of your needs, you satisfy one of hers? Right. I and mean, that's not in, he's not interested in satisfying anybody else. Right. I like that those are his two passions in life, though. Food and sex. Right. That's the same with you, right? I'm mostly just food. Mostly food. Yeah. And you yeah. say I don't even like food that much. You don't like food. My my food is my passion. Yes. Okay. All, like all I care about is like when I'm eating breakfast, I already want to know like what I'm having for lunch. If I'm like going to a restaurant in two days, I'm already like checking the menu. Like all I care about is food at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jerry has a couple other good lines in this. Uh, He talks about that sex is about a love between a man and a woman, not a man and a sandwich. Uh, (laughs) And George says that uh, he's not suggesting getting rid of the girl. She's integral. Um, (laughs) So... We end up with George uh, talking about what he's doing with the pudding skins, uh, that he's got this exacto knife. Yeah. And I'm out on all this pudding thing. I feel like it's so like second extra. But you hate the chocolate. Saying nowadays. Yeah. I just I'm like the whole like the whole pudding storyline. I don't care about. Yeah. I, I do think that it's a ingenious way to get the exacto knife into the story. I guess that's true. I guess if you need if you need him getting hit by the knife, then yeah. Okay. Um, Jerry says that he is starting a purification program. Keep that away from him. I, I like. I, I do like. This is like the beginning of the health craze, like nineteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and George is uh, pulling out some of his uh, pudding skin singles. Um, meanwhile, back at uh, Jerry's apartment, Kramer wants to borrow some Tupperware to uh, store blood in. I didn't like who knew that Jerry was so freaked out by blood. Like, I know he's grossed out by like dirt and other grimy things. But to me, blood like is not 
in that level. Like, I, blood doesn't gross me out at all. Hmm. Do you think that blood was more stigmatized in uh, 1997 uh, following the AIDS uh, real explosion in the media? It could be, but I think it's more of like a dirty thing for Jerry that he just thinks, and maybe it's because it's Kramer's blood and Kramer's just like a gross person. Mm-hmm. So like any liquid, that, you know, any any like fluid that comes out of his body is gross. Yeah. Now, in fairness, I think that probably a, a lot of people are siding with Jerry in terms of the uh, they don't want, uh, you know, blood being, uh, you know, in their Tupperware. Yeah, I guess blood in the freezer is weird, but mm-hmm. right. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, unless you're Lloyd Braun, I guess. But it's also like if you ever have like a urine sample, let's say, and you have to like put it in the fridge, then or like for whatever reason, it would be like, oh, I I hope nobody thinks it's apple juice and drinks it. But like no one's accidentally going to drink the blood. <laughs> sure. Sure. Um, I think just the idea of Kramer's blood being in his apartment is uh, skeeving him out. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, Jerry makes a major point here that uh, he is going to freak out if any of Kramer's blood makes it over here. I do like his line, like, for a fat guy, you're not very jolly. Yes. Um, And uh, Elaine ends up coming in. Uh, We see that Jerry has been working out. He says that he ditched all of the junk food. And Kramer opens up Jerry's refrigerator. And basically, like, Jerry's refrigerator is, like, all, like, carrots and celery now. Yeah. I I feel like this lasts one episode. (laughs) Yeah. And Kramer uh, ends up telling him as he's unloading the fridge, I may have to take it, but I don't have to like it. Right. Like he right. He's not going to buy his own food. He just won't enjoy Jerry's. Yeah. Okay. Elaine is talking about how uh, she feels like that she will have convinced Vivian that she should be the babysitter. Right. It's a little confusing. Like Vivian said to her, like, I changed my mind or something. Mm -hmm. Or she just got left a message. She's assuming it, but she hasn't heard the message. She says, uh. Uh, Vivian left me a message. I guess someone changed their mind about whether someone was responsible enough to watch a certain other someone. Uh, Jerry says he lost interest. And then Elaine calls up Vivian, who says, I got your message. And uh, she wants to talk to Kramer. Somehow she wants Kramer to come and babysit for uh, the Jimmy. You know, it's not mentioned, but like elaine one episode after making out with a 12 year old at his bar mitzvah or a 13 year old his bar mitzvah like i don't know if she should be like alone with any little kids right now right you would think like what if jimmy heard the news from Lipman's kid right i guess that you didn't make it all the way out to long island listen if you had a friend who was making out with like a 40 year old woman when they were 12 that made it all the way out to long island it did i'm sure okay yeah, I don't know what kind of school Lippman's kid goes to and who he's friends with or if uh, I, I don't know. Especially nowadays, like back then it was hard for things to travel. Oh, yeah. Now it would just be on, on Snapchat in 10 seconds. Snapchat in five seconds. Yeah. And then gone from Snapchat after that in 10, in 10 seconds. Everyone would know about it. Yeah. All right. So we see Kramer show up at Vivian's house. I like that Kramer is uh, very taken with Vivian's screen door. Right, a little callback to, they don't call back the boy stuff, but they do call back the screen door from last okay. episode. All right, uh, and then Elaine comes up behind Kramer. Uh, he thinks he's being mugged, and uh, Elaine is going to uh, babysit for uh, for Jimmy. She tells him, uh, hit the road. She pushes him over the side of the porch. This is very sitcom this scene. Yeah. 
Uh, like and- literally Kramer's <laughs> making noises and she's whacking him with a broom and saying it's a raccoon. And Vivian is totally like, uh, you know, uninterested. Yeah. I mean, Elaine is really rough here. So he says, uh, I think he had some raccoons. And she's just like jabbing uh, Kramer in the bushes uh, with the broom. Uh, But then I guess she gets her payback or karma because uh, then uh, Jimmy comes out and just kicks her in the shins. Is that karma or is that Kramer? Yeah, I think it's both. Uh, Then the Hmm. screen door hits her in the head. Uh, Yeah. I mean, again, it's insane that she would like go into any effort to babysit this snotty kid. So Kramer is back at Jerry's house and Jerry says, what are you doing? I thought you were babysitting. And Kramer says, oh, there was an incident. (laughs) Yeah, I do like like it's consistent with Jerry's character not to ask what happens. Like at this point in the show, he knows like it's better not to ask because the stories will always be so insane. Mm hmm. Yeah. And Jerry's like too self-absorbed to care about anybody else. Like like he just said a few scenes ago, right? If it's not about me, I don't care. Right. So Jerry wants to know, oh no, where's the blood? Is it in there? And he opens up his refrigerator. Now suddenly Jerry has red jello that he doesn't know where that came from. I guess that George, when he made the pudding, could have also made jello. Could have. Um, then also there is like a big bottle of tomato juice with no label on it. Uh, only the second time in the history of Jerry's apartment that he's had tomato juice in his refrigerator. Yeah. Um, but this makes more sense, right? Like he's on a health kick. You have tomato juice. But he seems to be unaware that he's bought it. I think he's just like delusional, like assumes everything is blood. He's just seeing red. Yeah. The first time, obviously, was during the Kenny Rogers uh, Roasters episode when Kramer had, uh, you know, the red light shining into his apartment and came in. He thought it was milk. He had the big pitcher of tomato juice. Yeah. Uh, So Jerry is very upset and he wants to know who made all of this pudding. What's going on here right. with the pudding? Uh, and George made more pudding skin singles. And Jerry ends up uh, being upset that he doesn't want any junk food in the house. The exacto knife goes up in the air. And uh, we see a shot of Jerry's face. Uh, Jerry will end up being cut with the exacto knife. Very realistic. Like you see some great acting by Jerry in this scene. Right. Uh Jerry ends up in the hospital later on in the episode, but then after that, he doesn't even end up having like a Band-Aid on. Right. There's no there's no like long term ramifications to the injury. Right. Which again, right. Like sometimes like, okay, fine. He wasn't hurt, but he went to the hospital. Like there should be an injury. Right. right? He ended up getting his jugular slit to the degree that he lost a lot of blood and had to go to the hospital, but he doesn't even have a mark later on. Seems serious. Yeah. All right. So Elaine is babysitting. Uh, Jimmy, the brat, is uh, saying, uh, you're dead, President Lincoln. You're dead. A little bit of a dark game, no? Yeah. Jimmy knows his history, though. Yes. Uh, he's a real uh, yeah, John Wilkes Booth. He ends up pouring a glass of orange juice into Elaine's bag also. I mean, Elaine is like way too lenient. Like she doesn't charge. I, mean, I guess Vivian's her friend. She's not just like the babysitter, but she didn't say like, oh, you know, you owe me a bag or she might just be checked you know, out. Yeah, but Elaine, like, cares about fashion and stuff, right? She works for, like, a fashion company. Mm-hmm. Maybe she got it as a freebie? I guess. Maybe she just has bags being sent to her every day. That's possible. <laughs> okay. So then we end up, Vivian, she comes home, and uh, she's impressed that Elaine ends up doing such a good job with Jimmy. And she ends up telling Elaine about how, actually, she's had some health problems, and uh, it might be serious. I, it's kind of like a very crazy segue, right? Like, it's a good thing you babysat him once. I didn't trust you three hours ago. 
Because you might be like his parents in a few years. Yeah. Well, the whole Vivian storyline is pretty dark where Vivian ends up that she may, I guess, is like pending some test results, could have some sort of like terminal illness. And uh, everybody in the gang is like very concerned that, boy, I hope nothing happens to her because her kid is such a brat. Right. It would inconvenience me. So you think the storyline is dark. You don't even know the half of it. I don't know the half of it. What do you mean? Well, this is not a fun fact, but uh, Kelly Waymeyer, who played Vivian, uh, died at 36 of an of a undiagnosed heart condition. Or I guess a heart condition she knew she had, but she just died suddenly. Oh, my God. 30s. No, I didn't have yeah. the key. For the, yeah, you were setting yeah. this up like it was going to be a joke. No, not a joke. Not, I said not a fun fact. Yeah. The, it's terrible. So it's crazy how dark it is because she's playing someone who has like a super young person with a health crisis. And and then she just like you know prime for her career. Keith, she was on, you got to give us a warning on that stuff. Like, how that. do I do? I like I never know how to do that. Hmm. Let's see. We have um, to have it. Yeah. Like this is how we got in the fun fact territory in season one. Like I don't know how to. Right. Right. Well, you should say like it's actually this is a very a very sad story. Can we have it? Can we have like a uh, like a this is going to be a sad story sort of like uh, code word? Hmm. Um, tippy toe? No, that's not no. serious enough. Uh, let's see. Yes, yeah. If you have a code word, uh, just like maybe just like t- tell us to like brace ourselves. Like, you are, are you okay. sitting down? I have to, t- I have to tell down? you something. Yeah. Oh, I know you're sitting down. Yes. Yeah. All right. I, I didn't. I, I certainly did not mean to make a joke out of it. I just went straight into it. But it's really a crazy story because she's playing this, uh, you right. know, an actress who has a similar problem, and and you know she's so young. She passed away like five or six years later, but. You know, she's very young looking here. She's 36. She she was on an episode of Friends, and I'm surprised you don't know her from Star Trek Enterprise. She was on a few episodes of Star Trek Yeah, Star Enterprise. Trek Enterprise is one that I didn't really uh, follow too closely. Okay, but she had a full, like a full season on Six Feet Under, and so people knew her back then. Okay. Um, so we end up with uh, Jerry at the hospital, and Kramer is talking with Jerry about what happened, and Kramer explains that knife nicked your jugular, uh, you're really not supposed to look up when somebody says heads up. It is true, right? Heads up. Like, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you you don't want to look to see what projectile is coming at you. You just put your head I think, down. I think heads up, you block your head, right? Like as if you were holding a baseball glove. Yeah, I guess so. Um, if you have like some sort of like foul ball that comes in, you just sort of like cover your head and then worse comes to worse, it hits you on your arms. I think that's probably some the way sort of to do like it. makeshift helmet out of your arms. So, all right. Uh, we find out, though, that, yes, uh, Kramer had to save Jerry and uh, he lost a lot of blood. He's got three pints of Kramer in him. Uh, that's a lot of pints. I don't know anything about blood, but that feels like how many pints do you have? Like six, seven? Uh, I don't know. I think you only have, I think eight, I'd say. Eight? Eight is max. Yeah. So three pints of Kramer means like... He- you, like should have died probably from like losing all that blood. Right. The show, I do think, and again, I'm no medical expert, but I feel like they take a lot of liberty here in this episode with how the blood donor, you know, process goes. Yes. I, we could go over it as like they sort of go through the hospital. I do have a theory. People definitely asked about this in the mailbag. My theory is that the, the gang gets like the hospital knows the gang at this point. I think the gang has their own set of rules. Yeah. Oh, like the hospital doesn't want to deal with them. So it's like, oh, you want Kramer's blood? Like, we don't even want to waste like a real person's blood on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just get them in and out as fast as possible. 
Like if you try and set ground rules for these people, they're insane and they'll just break them. Yeah. Okay. So they just have these people are horrible and we'll just have them do their own thing. Yeah, basically. Okay. All right. So then we see Jerry starts screaming and Kramer starts screaming as well. Uh, yeah, the, I, you know, I don't love the screaming thing. It happens two or three times during the episode. It's like a little annoying to me when Kramer screams. Yeah. I don't know if you feel the same way. I do think it's funny that Kramer just starts screaming because Jerry is screaming. It's funny, but I don't know. It's just like, why is, he, why is Kramer yelling? <laughs> okay. We then end up going back to uh, Monks where George is learning about what happened to Jerry. Yeah. There's a lot of like explaining. Like, oh, what just happened in the last scene? Yeah. And so we see that uh, George ends up with another good line. Uh, he says, well, so much for purification week. I like Jerry's line better. even. Yeah. So how's the fornicating gourmet? <laughs> by the way, that is sort of a good name for like a men's cookbook. The fornicating like a cookbook gourmet? by men for men. Like this food will be so good. Like women will hop in bed with you. Yeah. The fornicating, the fornicating gourmet. gourmet. Yeah. Um, I, but I, again, I don't think most people don't want to mix the bedroom up with food. I, it's just George. Well, I feel like that traditionally sort of the idea of if you cook, then you will then get to the bedroom like that sort of like the the opener is, hey, can I come over and uh, cook for you or come to my place and I'll cook for you? Sure. And that's the way she'll be impressed. Like, oh, wow. Naturally, Kiva doesn't know how to cook. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that also doesn't work at my house that if I cook something, then my wife will just accuse me of, oh, what, what? Cause you think you're a better cook than me. You don't like my cooking. Yeah. yeah you you don't like, you're like, oh, it's like, no, uh, but it sounds like you're in a lose, lose situation there. Always. And, uh, George, uh, ends up telling Jerry, he had a soft boiled egg and a quickie. Um, to me, that seems like a weird combination. Yeah, that is a weird combination. Yeah. Maybe it had to be quick because he had to like run to the bathroom or something. Now, soft boiled egg. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, is that with with a uh, like sort of like a runny yolk? That does not seem I ideal. Think, I think so. No, I don't think you should bring that anywhere near your bedroom. No, no, no. Um, George wants to add TV to the equation. Yeah, I mean, again, TV much more like realistic. And I think normal, uh, much more realistic than food, especially mm-hmm. messy food. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jerry uh, chides him. George, we're trying to have a, a civilization. Um, Elaine comes in and she talks about how, uh, boy, this Vivian has this medical problem. If the worst happens, she has to take care of Jimmy. I do like that they're just so obsessed, like they're so, uh, you know, sort of they're only self-interested. Like if she dies, it will slightly inconvenience my life. Right. And, and this is like ostensibly one of her good friends. Right. And even if she's not sick, uh, scissors mishap, air show disaster, Chinese <laughs> organ thieves, she says. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the idea of them just like looking at the world purely through. Listen, we've all done this, right? Yeah. Like maybe not with like, oh, if my friend dies, it'll be an inconvenience for me. But like. What about an acquaintance? Mm-hmm. I'm sure we've all had these thoughts. Right. Um, I also like what George says here about how, yeah, no, the world is dangerous. I heard Kramer got mugged out in the suburbs on a babysitting gig. Yeah, but where's that coming from? Did Kramer come back and tell people he got mugged? Like, he knows it was Elaine. <laughs> Maybe Kramer was embarrassed that Elaine beat him up. Uh, probably, and, yeah. Like, he probably didn't want to, sp- like, he already has the, the news of him being beat up by the whole you know, a group of kids who do karate. Right. I feel like this is like, not good. Kramer, for what happened to you? You look like you got, were beaten with a broom. He's like, oh, I got mugged in uh, Long Island. 
Okay. So back in Jerry's apartment, Kramer is trying to get Jerry to shave his neck hair. He says it's uh, all bramble and basically is uh, trying to guilt trip Jerry into uh, shaving his body hair. Now, again, Kramer, I feel like in only the end of season eight was talking about the disadvantages of shaving body hair. Right. Why? Right. Right. Um, he was, was he anti shaving body hair? Yes. Remember his story about how, when he was a swimmer and then he shaved a certain area and then it grew back, he ends up saying to Jerry, um, about how, when Jerry has to shave his neck, he says, okay, uh, well later night, later tonight we can do sort of an all over kind of thing. Yeah. But what about the butter shave? Well, sure. There's butter shave on your face, but I mean, he wants to get into body, uh, manscaping. Yeah. So that doesn't seem consistent. No, but didn't he didn't he didn't he do the shave all over his body or that wasn't for shaving purposes? That wasn't was for butter purposes. Yeah. I, he put the butter all over his body for tanning purposes. Right. It just felt good. OK. It felt it felt good. So maybe this is uh, I don't know if we need to add this to our list. Maybe uh, something for Michael Richards. Yeah. I, relatively minor. But if if Michael Richards comes on a couple times, we'll get to it with him. Eventually. Yeah. All right. So Morty and, and Helen uh, called and uh, Kramer had called them and said that Jerry went to the hospital. Yeah. First of all, like they're not nearly nervous enough and also like terrible job by Jerry, not like mentioning it to his parents. <laughs> right. I guess he didn't want to tell anybody that he had. Kramer yeah, He didn't want to make him nervous. I guess he's already out of the hospital. But Keeve, didn't we already have uh, this almost exact conversation where uh, I, I don't remember which episode it was, but I feel like that Morty and Helen have called previously and said, oh, Kramer told us what was going on. Uh, I think so. Yeah. But like this is a big like omission for Jerry to not mention he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jerry's like, well, hey, why are you calling up my parents? And Kramer says, well, if you called more often, I wouldn't have to. Um, and he uh, I also like that uh, that Morty tells Jerry to eat a plum. Yeah. Eat that plum. That's really what the problem is. Yeah. OK. So Kramer wants to watch a tape in uh, Jerry's uh, house. He's uh, too busy uh, taping Canadian Parliament. It's such a funny line that I don't mind it. Yeah. But it's just bananas insane. Like that he's taping Canadian Parliament. OK. Um, he wants to watch it on Jerry's bed because it's so comfortable. Uh, and then Newman ends up coming in with like uh, two boxes of popcorn. I love watch. Newman running in when Newman runs in, like tries to like sneak in he is literally a rat yeah newman uh really is uh i don't know if they were paying him by the word this episode or what but uh that he's there but you know it's uh very in and out uh, all the newman scenes so there's two scenes that must be later than this in the episode i don't know if you watch the deleted scenes okay but they're the worst like most confusing scenes of all the deleted scenes in the series it's there's one scene that i had to like triple check that it was actually part of this episode Jerry takes, I guess, like, Jerry, you know how, like, Jerry owes Newman one? Yeah. So maybe it was, like, after the end of the episode. Like, Jerry takes Newman to, like, Monks, and Newman is eating a huge stack of pancakes that Jerry, I guess, paid for. And yeah. Jerry pay, offers him, like, $50, then $100 to leave Monks. But, like, it, the scene is very confusing. And then they go to, like, the doctor's office together. But the scenes are just, like, nothing. Like, there there must have been, like a, like, a connected tissue there that... Like they'd ever film because it's like they shouldn't even put those on the DVD. They're so bad. Yeah. I mean, was Newman reviewing eating 100 pancakes? I like see that would have been something. He was just like <laughs> it was just a weird scene. I really had to triple check that it was even from this episode. <laughs> All right. So um, 
Jerry's parents have gotten him a personal trainer because they feel like he's out of shape. Here comes Izzy Mandelbaum, and he is ready. Uh, Keith, are you excited about the return of Izzy Mandelbaum? Yeah, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm pro Mandelbaum. Yes. And so Izzy Mandelbaum ends up uh, telling Jerry to uh, grab your jock if you need one. It's go time. Um, Izzy Mandelbaum uh, wants nothing more than to emasculate Jerry. Yeah. Mandelbaum, he's a little bit of a throwback, a little bit, you know, maybe not not the world's biggest feminist. Is he? He's a real Uh, alpha male. Izzy Mandelbaum. He is an alpha male. He's an he's a he's a guy's guy. He's a guy's guy. Okay, so Elaine is back at Vivian's house. Uh, she's now smoking cigars, and she says that uh, she uh, doesn't know where Jimmy is. Uh, I like that she's uh, sleeping with a lit cigar. Yeah, you know, listen, she's trying to do, like, burn down the house, do anything to get out of this gig at this point. They right. had ho-hos for dinner. Right. Um, you would think that her telling Vivian, hey, you owe me $500 for a new purse, I think might do the trick. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if she's trying to get out of this without losing the friendship to Vivian. Mm-hmm. Or like maybe Vivian just says yes, like and then she feels bad. It's it, she's a single mom. You're like you're trying to like squeeze a lot of money out of her. Maybe she doesn't have it. Right, right. But you would think that she would end up uh, kicking her out and then uh, just be like, I think Elaine wants to be dumped, uh, right. but not be the dumper. Correct. Okay. All right. So we see Jerry and Izzy Mandelbaum uh, working out. Jerry wants to is this a gym or a fitness museum? Izzy has Jerry pick a medicine ball up over his head and then just starts like punching him in the gut. All aboard the pain train. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Izzy Mandelbaum, again, very insensitive, says uh, um, when Jerry asks, how many sessions did my parents pay for? Not enough to make a man out of you, Daffodil. Yeah, I love Izzy Mandelbaum. He's great. (laughs) All right. George is now back in bed with Tara. And I mean, these... uh, uh, again, I, I know you're limited by what you can do on TV, but um, like nothing here makes sense. Right. And we very briefly, I think, skipped the George Tara scene where she was actually like pro what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here we are like, you know, George is just like, oh, spicy mustard. Woohoo. You're hot tonight. And then he puts in like a transistor radio with earbuds and then tries to get back into uh, under the bed. And that's a bridge too far. I mean, this is insane. Like if if she has a TV in the bedroom, just turn it on. Turn the volume off. You're fine. Right. Or bring this to like the dining the living room, assuming there's no roommates or anything where you could just like have the TV on. Mm-hmm. And it's probably like better to eat there than in the bed. Right. But. Like once you're putting on headphones, like how is she not going to notice this? What is going on that she's not going to notice immediately? Okay, so now again, this is 1997. No chance that George was listening to a podcast uh, that would not be invented for at least another seven years. Do you think uh, anybody has ever listened to a podcast? That's what like, I want to ask. That's what. I, well, yeah. I'm going to ask you specifically. I'm sure somebody mm. has listened to a podcast at mm. some point uh, and yeah. fornicated. Has anybody yeah. ever listened to this podcast and fornicated? I would say, like most of our listeners, probably don't do that sort of thing. <laughs> they don't do what? <laughs> listen to what? Listen to this fornicate. podcast? No, fornicate. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm. I love you guys. I'm teasing. Um, I would hope that first of all, I don't think it would be possible to listen to this and like be aroused at the same time. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe, maybe, maybe like a woman with a guy she was like super not interested in. Like, yeah, uh, you do whatever you do, but I'm putting on my headphones like that would be. I'm trying to would, think, you know, 
um, like uh, what the scenario might be. Maybe yeah. if you had like this on you know, with like a speaker or, or it's yeah. like, uh, I think, then- I think a lot of times, especially also with the TV, it's not like it was just, or, or even with music sometimes it's not like we intentionally put this on, yeah. you know, like we were watching sports center. It's more like it happened. And we happened to be like, that just what was on when whatever happened, happened. Yeah. Yeah. So no, yeah, almost no chance. I would say the odds of this happening to this podcast are negative. Someone did give birth listening to this podcast, right? Uh, I think Didn't we so, get an email? Yes. We got an email about that last year. Yes. Um, even so, I feel like <laughs> <laughs> if if it happened, it was the only time it ever happened for that right. reason. <laughs> right. Uh, I would say that uh, if, if if that did happen, uh, somebody please feel free to uh, send us uh, an email yeah. feedback. Uh, we'll keep your anonymity. Of the, uh, yeah, if, the if penthouse forum letter of what happened but listening yeah. to this romantic podcast. Yeah, it might be fan fiction. Can you imagine like something's happening and then like Chester's mailbag comes on? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, that's it. The guy gets like kicked out of the house. <laughs> like we're literally the worst tinder date of all time right all right uh kramer and newman are in jerry's apartment making sausage do you like this song that keeps they keep listening to i think it's funny i, I like that it's like they keeps you know it's the same song throughout yeah they play it over the credits also at the end over yeah. like the card and uh jerry gets mad um first he's with izzy mandelbaum who's telling him he has to sleep on a board a lot of people advising other people to sleep on a board at seinfeld i think that was like you know uh maybe good medical advice in the late 90s <laughs> maybe and so jerry is saying what are you doing in here why are you making all these sausages i think you were watching a video and uh, Kramer says, yeah, it was a video about how to make the sausages. And yeah, I like that line. I always like that line. Jerry says he's in no mood for this. Uh, I like that Kramer is going to put the sausages in the mail sacks. Yeah. Well, listen, he's not delivering the mail. Right. It's like a Tuesday. He's not he's not working. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, Izzy Mandelbaum uh, is upset. He wants no junk food. Uh, he says, uh, don't lie to me, Butterbean. Now we're taking it up a notch. Yeah, I do like the scene. He comes in, he just sees the sausages and like, because it's a sitcom, there's no way for Jerry to talk his way out of like, these aren't my sausages. Mm -hmm. So we go to Monk's and see uh, Jerry and George and he talks about how it's over with Tara. He is not uh, seeing her anymore. And George is eating his sandwich and he says he's getting flush. A little gross, honestly. Yeah, this is pretty gross. Uh, I like what Jerry says here. And he says, uh, oh, no, I'll tell you what, Caligula. You combine food and sex into one disgusting, uncontrollable urge. It's a good reference there. Yeah. Um, again, like it, it. But but George has like lust for the sandwich. But uh, that, you know, uh, you know, uh, George asks, are you going to eat that? Uh, Jerry says, please tell me that's all you're going to do to it. But um i don't think this really holds up no a little dirty it, it's it's pretty dirty and, and it's also but I, I just feel like that um like he's just like you know lustfully eating the sandwich but he's not like amorous like he's not like right. you know when elaine comes in like but uh, it's like, like a pavlov thing like it, he just like has conditioned himself to like when he's eating to like be all flush or whatever yeah, but it's almost like that. It's like um, that. It's like when there's food in front of him, he just like becomes more obsessed with food. Right. Like, like there's no part of it that seems like uh, that 
he is like uh you know getting into the erotic other than he seems just ver- more obsessed with food yeah i'm not sure yeah again i i don't know how necessarily you'd pick that on uh, you know uh nbc at 9 p.m but i don't know it seemed like a little off okay okay so uh then george is now uh sleepy he's tired after he's eating the sandwich um like again this is a little out there right like he's still like he's gone through like the whole motion here he's just tired right from the sandwich yes Uh, much like you and i uh after a podcast now he wants this is his his sandwich refractory period like he's gonna fall asleep yes uh jerry gives the sandwich away also uh elaine is talking about how she has to go to jimmy's birthday party uh she's got a weasel out of raising this kid uh jerry points out well sleepy here is quite a weasel maybe he could bat for you yeah pinch weasel i love it pinch weasel okay uh kramer comes in and explains uh that newman is mad because jerry got rid of the sausage and now Kramer is booted out of the freezer at Newman's house. It's weird because like Newman is still like taking a nap in his bed. So I don't know, like Kramer is very bad at deal making here. Yeah. It's, you know, like if Newman, like if Newman still has the rights to Jerry's apartment, how has he already been kicked out of the freezer? Right. Right. And what happened to the sausage? They all end up like in the garbage. Uh, Bandlebaum tossed them. OK. So like what? He threw them down the garbage chute. Like, you threw them in the garbage. You're going to take sausages, not in containers, They're out of the trash? They're putting them in disgusting mail sacks. That's true. But, like, he may have thrown them down the chute. It's it's this city, right? You could throw something down the chute. Right. I guess that's possible. Um, where were Kramer and Newman at the point where uh, is he? They went to get the bags. Mandelbaum came in. He must have thrown, you know, Mandelbaum's fast. He must have <laughs> thrown them in really, you know, before they could come back. Newman's not exactly Mr. Speedy. It might have taken him an hour to come back with the mailbags. Okay. All right. So Kramer needs to borrow Jerry's car to take his blood to the blood bank. Right. Because his own car is no AC. Right. All right. So Kramer is driving. The check engine light comes on uh, that the car is overheating. He needs to turn off the air conditioning. Right. But it doesn't work. The car starts like totally smoking up. Keith, have you ever had a car overheat on you? Huh. Uh, I've had cars like not start because of the cold more than the heat in New York. Yeah. Um, I ended up with uh, like, I don't know what year it was, probably like uh, probably within like a year when this episode aired. uh, I was like driving my dad's like old beat up car. And like I was like just like driving along and like the like the like the green radiator fluid started to like smoke and bubble up. And then uh, I, I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. I was driving. And what do you end up doing? Just like pulled over. It's like uh, I don't know what to. I don't know what to do. We had to get the uh, radiator fixed or something. Mm. Yeah, I'm not a car guy. I never know what's wrong. No, no. And you know, I had like all like old cars uh, for forever. You can change a tire, right? Uh, I think I could. I've never had to do it myself. Okay. And now I just have like, you know, um, like AAA or uh, like uh, roadside assistance on my car insurance. Yeah. So I just like rather than I feel like that I, while I could do it, I'm like 90 percent sure I could do it. I feel like there's a 10 percent chance I could end up like amputating my hand. So, right. I feel like uh, I'm already paying for the roadside. I assistance. feel like it's like like this really why our generation's like worse than the last one. If it is, it's because like our dads and our grandparents could all change tires. Right. Um, when we had a flat, my wife changed the tire. Like she knows how to change one and I don't, which is, you know, 
it's not in the top 50 masculine things that happened to me, but it's up there. Yeah. Recently, my wife had on her car that uh, the one of the like um, blinker bulbs uh, had burnt out. And so I made an appointment to take the car to Pep Boys. And I took it there and I waited. And then when I got the appointment, I got to the, they said, like, we don't have anybody here for an hour. And I felt like Jerry at the rental car place of like, you know how to take the appointment. Anybody can just take the appointment. Um, so then I had to just take it home and do it myself. And luckily, I have such like uh, girly wrists that I was able to like, uh, like worm my hands around to where you change the bulb and not have to take that many things apart. Was your wife impressed that you fixed it yourself? Mm. Not particularly. Okay. I, I thought she would be, but it was it not yeah. it was not super impressive. To her. Teaches you a lesson. Next time, just just stay at Pet Boys for the extra hour. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we end up seeing Elaine uh, with Vivian. Uh, she ends up introducing her friend George. Uh, Elaine sees herself out to go say hi to Jimmy. I don't know if she just left at that point. But um, George is uh, saying, you know, too bad we're not going to see that much more of Elaine. She's going to live with her grandparents in Reading, Pennsylvania. And Vivian seems to know everything about Elaine. Yeah, they must be good friends, right? We've never heard of Vivian before or again, but she must really know Elaine. Now, Vivian claims that Elaine's grandparents passed away five years ago. Do you recall... No, it must have been during the summer. And also, you know, people say five years ago a lot of times when it was really like 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. They just have round numbers like five or 10 or whatever. Okay. Um, Elaine's being deported back to Scotland. George tries to say, uh, Vivian says, no, I've seen her passport. Um, Then George says. It must be really close. Who's seen anybody's passport? Right. Um, Unless they traveled together or something. George ends up saying that uh, Elaine has been chosen to represent the Upper West Side in the next Biosphere project. Biosphere used to be big. Yeah, that sounds like a very 90s reference. Yes. And she says that she hasn't heard anything about another biosphere. George says that's because it's underwater. Yeah, she's not buying it. Yeah. These are not George's greatest excuses of all time. (laughs) Yeah, she says this is insane. And he says, well, it's all for charity. So what's the difference? Right. And she's into like she's into the fact that he knows about the biosphere, I guess. Yeah. Now, here's where things take a bit of a turn. For no apparent Mm. reason, Vivian just says, oh, you seem very knowledgeable. Yeah, I guess she's impressed by the biosphere stuff. I guess so. Then George throws out the architect line. And uh, we see that Vivian is cooking pastrami. And uh, she says, I find pastrami to be the most sensual of all the salted cured meats. Are you hungry? Uh, and then they end up just like kissing and like going to the floor. And you also have this thing like it always ha- it happens a bunch of times in this scene. In this episode and like other episodes where like within three seconds, she's like shouting at the top of her lungs while Ger- while George is getting the right the pastrami. Like maybe I'm like, uh, you know, not not the most experienced guy. What could he be yeah. doing in those three seconds? Right. right. That would elicit that. Right. <laughs> like Putty's move can't even be that good. Right. Well, I guess that this is the pastrami. Maybe she's yelling about the pastrami, yeah. but it's, it's not even there yet. He's first getting that. She's getting that down from the counter. Right. Do you feel like that they should have like hinted at this, that she had this fetish before it happened? Like it's ironic. Is it a coincidence that like the only two pastrami freaks on the planet got together? Mm, like should it, even like um, like, oh, Vivian, uh, you know, she has some weird stuff about her or like just mm-hmm. seems like uh, really out of nowhere that she happens. What to if be- she's like, hey, you could give Jimmy dinner. Just don't touch the pastrami in the fridge. I feel like if she says pastrami, you know where it's going. Yeah, that's true. It's too too much. Uh, yeah, too on the nose. All right. So I don't know what to do there. Yeah. Um, we end up then with 
Izzy Mandelbaum with Jared. Oh, by the way, Vivian seems like a dream girl. Like, she also turns the TV on, right? Like, she's – George should marry this Vivian. Well, she's got, you know, one, Jimmy, and two, yeah. you know, sadly, the Chronic health c- disease, condition. Yes. Right. We're talking about Vivian, not the actress, but yes. Well, I, I, that, I was talking about the – yeah, Vivian is the one that right. was talking about has the condition. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we end up with Jerry – and again, George has already been through this once before. Yeah, and then he becomes the Widowmaker. Yeah. Um, Jerry is with Izzy Mandelbaum. They're in the park. Uh, Izzy Mandelbaum says, if you want to live in a butcher shop, I'm going to treat you like a piece of meat. Uh, Izzy Jr. is back. Do you like Izzy Jr.? Yeah, I love the Mandelbaum kids because they're also super old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, I like that Izzy Mandelbaum tells Jerry because he has like ch- chained to like the back of a car. He says, hey, you lag, you drag. Um, yeah, I mean, again, we discussed this earlier, but like, this is just absurd, right? Yeah. It's like, really- why would Jerry agree to this on like the open road? Yeah. And then, you know, the car, uh, that Kramer put the blood in it, like, uh, like, you know, uh, how did it even get to the part? Like, how was it even operational? Uh, and it's Jerry's car. Like he's volunteering his own car for this. It's insane that he's agreeing to this. Yeah. And then we see that he's driving and then uh, Mandelbaum's son ends up like the blood is like coming through the car onto his feet. So he just like hits the gas pedal and starts like, was he trying to drive away from it? Like, I feel like that. I don't know. Stop. He's car. like freaking out. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. OK. Um, and, uh, you know, Izzy Mandelbaum yells at him. Uh, we got a problem here. Uh, you know, because he's being dragged along. Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay, so Jerry is back in the hospital, and uh, Elaine wants to know, how long did they drag you? And uh, Jerry says, well, for the first quarter mile, they thought I was just dogging it. And uh, we see George come in with Jimmy. Do you think they shouldn't have named him Jimmy because there's such a prominent character in the show's history named Jimmy? Yeah, I think that's Jimmy. a bad job. Uh, Every time you say Jimmy, I, I, I think like uh, you have to like do a double take. Uh, was Timmy the kid that Kramer was babysitting earlier? The, the kid down the hall? Yeah. I think it might have been Timmy. Yeah. So I don't know that um, even if the kid's I mean, name a lot of is names. James. It could literally be any name. Right. That's fine. Um, so we also see that George is getting kicked in the shins by him. Yeah. This, that's his move. He kicks in the shins. Yeah. Kramer comes in uh, and Jerry wants to know, you put blood in the car. And Jerry says, it's overheating. You got to take better care of the car. Uh, and Jerry says, I guess I owe you again. And Kramer says, you didn't get that blood from me. And Newman comes in rolling up his sleeve. Um, yeah, I, like I, I sort of agree with the like overreaction here. Like if I found that I Newman's blood, I'd have a similar reaction. Right. But like, I'm pretty sure this is not how it works. Like it's not. No, like, it's definitely not how it works. We could get into it in the mailbag. People ask about that. Maybe we have a doctor right in. Yeah. Um, but but we we haven't heard from Dr. Thomas in a while. He he would have been useful this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't I, I don't know how blood works, but I know it doesn't work like this. Yeah, it does not work like this. OK. All right. And then everybody starts screaming. All right, Keith, let's uh, talk about this episode and uh, do some uh, some letter grades overall. Well, I've got a good I've got an idea, actually. Instead of letter grades, we like to mix it up in season nine. Let's give each storyline uh, between zero and four pints of blood. Oh, I think you're going to say hot peppers. No, that wouldn't make that would have nothing to do with this episode. <laughs> OK, <laughs> I feel like every episode we should have sort of like a denomination of something that has to do with the episode going forward. <laughs> Yeah. People are over the letter grades. We retired from school. Oh, no. Season nine. Okay. All right. We're, we're, we're turning everything on its head now. Mm. Yes. All right. Reinventing the wheel. All right. So that how many uh, how many pints of blood do we want to give Jerry in this story? 
I like the Mandelbaum stuff. I like seeing Izzy. Um, you know, like what really, what are we like saying is like Jerry's main part of the story? Like he's fat. Eh. Um, he, Jerry's a real seared D storyline other than like the fact that he goes to the hospital a couple times. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll give it one pint of blood. Okay. One pint. So is, and that's the worst. No, zero is the worst. Zero is the worst. So, okay. So, so this is, that's basically, that's, that's equivalent to a D, no? Uh, no, like a C plus. C plus. Okay. Um, I, I think I would give it two and a half. I think it's, it, I think it's fine. It leads. I, oh, I, I didn't know we could do half pints of blood. Maybe I would have gone up to one and a half. Yeah. I'll give it two and a half. We give, we give pluses and minuses. I, I feel like that overall, uh, my, my feelings on this episode were that, um, I'm, I'm with them, you know, 95% of the way. They sort of lose me at the end with, uh, Izzy Mandelbaum dragging Jerry, uh, in the car. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that the, um, you know, George ending up hooking up with Vivian feels a little bit tacked on. I don't know if there's anything that really sort of... Right, like, like they didn't have enough in the episode without that. It it's just really seems a little a bit forced thing. to try to uh, tie everything And also, like, together. where's Elaine in that scene? Right. Like, they're just, like, she's yelling at the top of her lungs during a kid's birthday party. Like, they're gonna get caught in 10 seconds. I don't know. Was, was it the actual birthday party or she was just, like, uh, coming over? Maybe to- she was just introducing him. I'm not sure. But either way, like, she's in the house. The kid's in the house, right? Yeah. And so I feel like that overall, uh, the episode, you know, definitely has some good moments. And uh, I feel like that there were a lot of funny lines in this episode. Like, I feel like that there was like some like, uh, you know, really, you know, subtle, uh, well-written jokes in the episode. So I really like that. And then uh, I-, I like when we also, what- what's the most iconic thing from this episode? Line or moment? Uh, the most iconic thing is, jo- is jo- uh, George having like the sandwich in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the most memorable thing. Yeah, because honestly, that the uh, I, the blood storyline with Jerry and Kramer, like I, I really didn't even remember that before. We yeah, very. That's very forgettable. Yeah, and I'm trying to think. Uh, the, even the, the hospital scenes are forced. Yeah, the Elaine and the babysitting stuff is. Uh, yeah, so I do think that the George stuff is the most iconic. Hmm. Um. And I, I feel like I do remember uh, the line about pastrami being the most sensual of the cured meats. Yeah, that's a that's a famous line, I guess. Okay. All right. Um, so let's talk about then uh, we get to George with this uh, storyline. I mean, if we're saying that it was the most iconic thing, I think you have to give it three pints of blood. Yeah, I give it three pints of blood. I, I love the I, it's a funny original idea. Him bring food into the bedroom. I like it. It's not a perfect storyline. The girl doesn't really bring anything to the table. She's just there. But it's a funny storyline. It's definitely the most memorable. I like it. Three pints. Okay. Three pints of blood uh, there. Uh, then uh, what about Kramer with uh, that he is going to be putting his blood in the freezer? Uh, it doesn't, you know, to me, like the car breaking down doesn't do anything. It's absurd. I just I like the scene with them doing with him and Newman doing the sausages. I like the joke where we were watching the video about the sausages. The actual pint of blood, not great. So I give it one and a half pints. Um, I do think that there were some funny moments. I'll, I'll give it uh, two and a half. I think you're being a little hard on Kramer here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I'm harder on this episode. Usually, I feel like I'm higher than you yeah. sometimes, but like when we're when we're split. But you're definitely higher than me on this episode. Yeah, uh, and then finally, uh, Elaine with the babysitting. Uh, you know, the kid could have been more interesting. Like, you know, you could have given him a little bit more of a personality. Um. The weird, like Vivian being like, just the fact that she's dying is a little weird. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, I'll give it two, two pints of blood. Two pints of blood. There you go. 
And I will say two. That two seems fair for Elaine. It's probably my least favorite of these stories. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Keeve. Uh, so you're lower on this episode than I am. Uh, I don't think it's outside the top 100. I'll say that you have it as a uh, balmy uh, 88. It's not a big S. I do actually have it outside the top 100. Oh. I, I think it's like it's less than the sum of its parts. Like there's not a boring scene in the episode. But I don't know if there's a through line. I think it's all like C and D storylines for the most part. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I really love is George. So I have it all the way down at 113. 113. Okay. Uh, but if somebody said like this is a top 60 episode for me, I actually wouldn't think they're crazy. It just to me, it's a little bit uh, up and down. Like they could have maybe workshopped it for another day and really like cut out a couple some, you know, some of the worst scenes and put in one or two really funny things. Okay. Keeve. Let's get into our bloody mailbag, uh, much like the one that Kramer and Newman put the sausages in. Here we go. And uh, let's uh, bring things in. Of course, uh, every week we get our email, Seinfeld, at Post Show Recaps. And uh, who, who do you want to start with, Keith? Uh, I went with the same guy we started with for about the last 150 episodes. Got to be Johnny DeSaver. I don't think we technically start with him every episode. Uh, I'll tell you want to like you want you want to know how the sausage is made. No pun intended. Yeah, I, I'll always start with Johnny oh, unless I, somebody I think else. This pun is very intended. Yeah, pun definitely intended. Um, I always start with Johnny unless someone writes an email like that's more not about the episode. Like maybe something about last week that we forgot or something overall that it wouldn't wouldn't make sense to have in the middle of like analyzing the episode. But okay. Johnny almost always starts. All right. So they even started our on our uh, Survivor podcast a couple weeks ago. Good job, Johnny De Silvera. Uh, he says, uh, according to the Seinfeld wiki, the blood was Lloyd Bridges last television appearance before his death. Well, uh, uh, Johnny, can you t- say, are you sitting down? <laughs> we need a trigger warning, John. Yeah. Next time you got, I can't you got, take you know, any listen. more bad news on this podcast. We're a couple snowflakes here. We, we, we need a warning. Right. Jeez. Okay. All right. Kaya. Shout out to she the great lady, Lloyd Bridges. It's yeah. go time. Uh, RIP. He was great. It is. It was go time for him. Uh, when giving blood a few, few months ago, Kaya says her loser boyfriend passed out. Should I date Kramer instead? What do you think, Rob? Wow. Should she break up with this guy? I, I have to be honest. First of all, she's saying loser boyfriend. Uh, to me, that's already like three strikes. Three strikes for the but for the guy or for Kaya? For the like sh- that she should like uh, to quote the the great uh, not late but the great Tom Likas, uh you know, dump that bitch. Uh, I think, but but that Kai should be dumping. I'm not calling her. I'm oh, you're saying, you're saying okay, okay, so you dump that loser. Dump that loser. I, I, to right. me, if you pass out while giving blood, I can't have faith in you. Like, what, what's going to happen if he bears your children? Right. He's going to die during your childbirth. Wow. Keeve. He's not going to be able to be in the room. This, uh, that, uh, so you're saying that uh, not an alpha male? Like, not even a beta. <laughs> like, I don't want to say the C word, you know, like, but, you know. <laughs> But uh, listen, you should break up with him. I don't want to be mean, but I think you have to. Yeah. Okay. Boy, uh, breaking up about just uh, giving blood. Um, yeah. I mean, he fainted. Like, what's he going to do? Like, there's no way this guy can change a tire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, did he faint because of the l- losing too much blood or just the sight of the blood? Because I feel like. No, was- I think he was like, too, I mean, if she wants to follow up, we can sort of give, you know, give him. We give her more advice, but I, I feel like it's just like he gave the blood and he felt weak and he passed. He was probably dehydrated and he passed that. You have to have the water or the apple juice or whatever they give you. <laughs> but I, it's just so basic, right? Giving blood. I like you can't give blood. You're essentially not a man or a woman. You're just you're like, I don't know. OK, uh, no offense. 
Yeah. But um, you know, I, I, I think I need to see a picture before I'm giving advice. <laughs> a picture of the guy? Yeah. <laughs> like to see if he's good looking? Yeah. <laughs> like if he's a super alpha guy and he just happened to pass out. But you called him her loser boyfriend, unless she's just making a Seinfeld reference. Like, mm, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that, uh, look, I think we need to see a picture. Okay, send the picture in, Kai. Yes, uh, right, picture and, and a bank statement. <laughs> that, yeah, it might be, if he's rich, Kaya, disregard everything I just said. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about Lindsay? All right. Uh, she wants to know, have we ever given blood? She's really squeamish. So every time she goes, she almost passes out. But she doesn't. That's why she's still in a relationship. But I feel like going is part of my civic duty or something, and I get really guilty when I don't. I also, like, sometimes I'll just, like, pass the local synagogue or something, and there'll be, like, the blood truck outside that they're doing, like, a blood drive that day. And I always feel bad if I don't give. Yeah. Um, I used to do it. I haven't done it in a while. But there was. Do you ever give for the Mets tickets? The Mets would always have like a blood drive, and if you give, you give, you get the Mets tickets. I don't remember when I used to do. It. I used to do it like uh, in Oswego uh, at, at like the like my first couple of years. They had like a blood drive, and then um, when I was on Long Island a couple times, I did it. Uh, I don't mind doing it. It's just like that, but like uh, I'm just like lazy to go out of my way to do it. Yeah, if they came to your house, you'd give blood like every month. Sure, sure. sure. I don't mind giving the blood at all either. I just, I I agree. It's never like in a convenient place. Right, right. Um, And they (laughs) say like, oh, oh, you. it's easy to find a vein on you, I feel like. Then that's uh, like, I'm good at it. I'm also, I think I'm a universal donor, so I should be giving blood. I I am too. Yeah. Um, So we could give each other blood or something. I don't know how it works. We could be blood brothers. We could be blood brothers. But I don't like I would be fine with your blood. I feel like I'm very unhealthy. I shouldn't even be allowed to give blood. It would just be like mayonnaise, my blood. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this question. And uh, yeah. again, forgive me if it's uh, if it's insensitive. Now, do that. I know you eat kosher. Is there anything with like a kosher hospital? I don't know. What does that mean? Like, do you, like, uh, like, do you uh, could you like, is there any? Sort I could of take someone else's blood. Sure. Yeah. No, I could take other people's blood and vice versa. That's like an emergency situation. I can't drink blood. Actually, blood is very not kosher. It's like one of the least kosher. Things. One of the one of the least kosher things. Yeah, so you couldn't be Dracula, like couldn't be Orthodox. Yeah. Um, she, Lindsay also wants to know. She said, "Rob, you're trying to be healthier this year. Is there one food that's really been tempting you around the house that's threatened your willpower?" Mm, no, not really. Um, I, I've been pretty good when I've been home. The problem is, like you know, when I travel or something like that, you know, it's much harder to, you know, it, it's it's really hard to uh, eat healthy when you are, you know, uh, that, on the road. You know, uh, key for that. I've been, uh, you know, I've tracked my uh, my uh, calories every day since the first week of January. I'm on like a hundred. You have abs tracking everything. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, that's right. I it's uh, I, I think it's it's not it's a net negative. I think that it's ultimately feeding into my uh, compulsions. But a mm-hmm. uh, hundred thirty days in a row, I have logged into my fitness pal. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and one more question from Lindsay. Have we ever had a situation where you owed someone for something and they kept bringing it up? I guess the way that Kramer, you know, keeps saying that Jerry owes him another favor. Mm. Is, is there someone who owes you like a favor or money and it's like really eat, eats at you? Uh, somebody that owes me something. Uh, I feel like that if somebody owes me something like. Um, no. I'll, while you think I'll give you like. There's a guy I, I recently got back in touch with him a little bit through like sports pools and stuff. Yeah. Who in eighth grade, like he ran a pool and he owed me two dollars and he never paid me for like winning this, you know, like part of a pool. 
And I still remember. And like every time I see him, I want to be like, you still owe me two dollars. But obviously that would be an insane person thing to do. But like anytime I hear his name for the rest of my life, I'm just going to think, oh, he owes me two bucks. Mm -hmm. What about you? Um, If anything, um, often my wife will like make a deal with me. And it's just like, oh, if if this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens, I'll do Mm -hmm. this. And then and then often she rarely uh, follows through. Yeah, no, Uh, those those deals don't work. Do you know what it is with wives about anything? Yeah. Anything you do wrong in the interim negates the deal in her mind oh no no well she'll, then she'll say oh oh i forgot that we made that deal oh i would or i'll get like i'll never i never said that i i've heard like i never said that yeah like you said like you know if if you know i if you do the dishes if i did x or y and she'll be like no that never happened you have to do the dishes mm-hmm. or like we said la- you know last year i see you we, we went to your mom's house for 17 days this year you said we'd cut it to 12 and it's like mm-hmm. nope that never happened all right uh craig from vancouver what's the worst thing that your kids have destroyed akiva must have some good stories he has like 40 kids right just four yeah have they destroyed any of your stuff i th- all my kids have ripped at least one key out of my keyboard one key oh, except uh, for the baby the baby yeah. hasn't done it yet but the first three have all done it yeah like um, i have a laptop you know it's never like an important key it's never like the e or the s yeah. it's always it's always the um it's like the second, like it's like an escape button or the second shift. It's never anything important. Yeah, I'm trying to think if they, I'm. I'm sure they must have. Like, uh, they want nothing more than to just come up here and just ransack my office. Um, both of them, like, uh, they're really into like getting into the mail and like, uh, like eventually they're just like gonna paying like, the bills. You no, know, like rip up a check or something like that. Like that's when I'm gonna disown them. Yeah, I, my son also, so he'll get it. He'll like, if he gets thinking into my office, he used to shut off my computer. Yeah. But that, I think he forgot about that. Now he just plays with the CD drive, which is annoying because like he'll put in like a CD and it'll just be like whirring for two days and I don't even know about it. Right. Um, but he, he's very mis- Boy, The girls didn't really do it. The boys are much more mischievous. Okay. What about Matt and Mass? Matt and Mass. He wants to know, why would Izzy Mandelbaum agree to be Jerry's personal trainer after all the harm he did to his family in The English Patient? It's a good question. Uh, I think that he probably looks at it as a form of punishment. Um, right, and, and right, right. This isn't like a normal training. Yeah, And maybe if we tie it back to uh, what happens at the end of the episode, then maybe, you know, depending on how calculating the Mandelbaums are, maybe this was all sort of uh, payback time in addition to go time. Yeah, I like Caleb's question. He wants us to rank the core four in order of most likely uh, that we would let babysit our kids. Yes. Yeah, so you've talked about this in terms of uh, survivor and in terms of uh, when you look at people. It's a metric that I yeah. use in life, right? Like, would I let this person babysit? Would you let them babysit? As if you are, are you have any say in the person who. Babysits? No, I'm not even allowed to babysit. <laughs> yes. OK. Yes. Um, the core four in order of babysitting. Uh, I kind of think that Kramer might be the best. Yeah, I, th- I listen. We've seen him mess up babysitting before. Yes. The problem is like he's the least self-absorbed. I'd say Kramer one, Elaine two, Jerry three, George four. George could come, you know, he'd come home. He could be like sleeping with the nanny or like doing something insane, treating his right. body like an amusement park. Like I don't, I don't know. Yeah. If I, George could is the least the trustworthy human, right? Jerry is. He won't do any damage, but he won't do anything good. Like, he'll ignore the kid, but I don't think he'll actively, like, do something bad. Right. I think that with Jerry, you could sort of say, okay, Jerry, make sure the kids are in bed by seven. And uh, he could, he'd be like a, like a good uh, disciplinarian. 
He would be good at that. The problem is if one of them like woke up at 830 and wanted juice, he would freak out. No juice. Or, yeah. or if like like Jerry's not changing any diapers. Jerry isn't like if a kid wets the bed. You know, like Jerry's not getting his hands dirty. Right, right. Um, Vicky says, I don't understand why Elaine continues to want to babysit that friend of hers, Brat's son. Why is it so important for Elaine to appear so mature and be able to handle babysitting the brat? I think that she's just uh, is uh, spiteful. Yeah, and stubborn. But it is a little bit out of character. Like, she, you know, she is anti-kid. Yeah. Reverse psychology works remarkably well with the core four. Yeah, it is true. If you tell them they can't do something, that's really when they get going. Right. It's like, you can't clean if, my if you, house. If you said Elaine, like, I hear you're the best with kids. Come babysit. I hear what happened with Lib and Son. She'd be like, nah. Like, that's not my style. Right. But if you tell her she sucks, she's in. Right. Do you know anybody that's good? I mean, you're not responsible. That, that, that drove, drove her right into Vivian's hands. Right. Right. Maybe Vivian's a genius. Maybe that was her plan. She knows Elaine well. Listen, she knows what her passport looks like, and she knows about her grandparents. It was a long dead. con. Yeah. A very long con. Um, Amir says, Kramer explains that he stores the blood because if he's out on the street and it starts to go down, he won't back off until it's finished. So Amir says, we saw that exact scenario play out when, when Kramer's guarding the armoire in the Soup Nazi episode. Kramer's out on the street, it starts to go down, and he backs off immediately. Didn't have the right? blood hoarded. That's true. He didn't have he didn't have the backup blood to really get involved. That's why he's doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Amir wants to know, why doesn't George just put the TV on in the background? Seems a, like a, a pretty simple way to get the trifecta. Not to get too personal, but while I've never included a pastrami sandwich, he's, he's left sports games on in the background. I, I think it's like plenty literally times, leaving the sports says, game. Email, First of all, of what a time. sick brag. Yeah. That plenty of times means he's done it at least five times. Yes. That's like yes. more than, you know, the guys who are podcasting hey. here. The Game respects the, game. Game respects game. The the uh, leaving like the TV on is normal. I I think like turning it on in you know like I need to watch CNBC while well like while we're in that I think is stock quotes yeah the ticker yeah gotta have the ticker no gotta see what's going on no I am what's going on the if it's at night you gotta see what's going on in the Asian market you could be up and down no Keith I I I don't want the TV on that I I want no distractions you have TV in your bedroom yes. Yeah, that's smart. I wish I wish I didn't. Uh, we used to have one and it was great. And now we don't. And I feel like it's it's worse. Like we would watch TV together. And now we don't because we have separate television situations. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, that uh, no, I don't, I don't want the, uh, the, you know, get involved in the TV. And again, I'm on the West Coast. So there's really not a ton of live uh, games going on. When I'm right. Going What's to- on when you're going to sleep at 11 o'clock? Or right. Something. Not much. Right. Um, he also wants to know, how does, how does Jerry get Kramer's blood? Kramer calls an ambulance for Jerry. He brings his own blood to the hospital in Tupperware containers. Then the hospital just gives that blood to Jerry. Aside from the hospital, obviously having plenty of clean and healthy blood available. I'm confident that using Kramer's Tupperware blood that he brought in would be against protocol. Sure. Again, I think, I think the answer to the question is that for a normal person, yes, but it's almost like wasting it on these lunatics. And it's like Kramer has the blood. Why not just use this blood? Could there be some sort of a blood shortage? There could be, especially in the 90s. You always hear about blood shortages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's maybe possible. And maybe Kramer. But there's still no hospital is transfusing the blood through the Tupperware. There's a leap of faith that you need to take. (laughs) Yes. Like you'd have to go to like one of these like, you know, private doctors. You're not going to a hospital and doing it. Right, right. Like Gustavo Fring's doctor. What does the hopefully still married Alexander Chester have to say? Yes. Uh, Chester says, I don't understand how Jerry got three pints of Kramer in him. Was there a blood transfusion done in the apartment 
Or did Kramer bring his home storage blood to the hospital where, for some reason, the hospital decided to use outside blood on one of their patients? Yeah, similar question to Amir. But again, it's ridiculous. We should have gotten a follow up on from Dr. Jen, his wife, on on how like unlikely it is that the hospital would allow this. Okay, And then we get some uh, good insight into the way Chester's uh, mind works. He says, (laughs) would you donate blood to someone you hate out of spite? Or are we to assume that Newman's donation to Jerry is a single act of kindness from someone who's otherwise pure evil? Yeah. The first part of that question is insane, right? Donate blood to someone you hate. Mm-hmm. That's how like an actual sociopath would think. Mm-hmm. I think there's an answer. Well, you tell me what you think, but I think there is only one correct answer to why Newman's giving Jerry the blood here. Yeah. Um, I think that he knows it's going to make Jerry upset. I don't think it's that. I think that he wants to be owed the favors the way Kramer was owed the favors. Like he's going to have one up on Jerry. That's why the deleted scenes have Jerry, you know, taking him to the doctor and buying him the pancakes and paying him off. Like, I think it's like he's like he realized he'll own Jerry for the foreseeable future. And yes, it'll tick Jerry off. I think they're both probably part of the reason. Yeah. Um, Not sure why he is also screaming at the end of the episode. Yeah, I think it's just like a tag. It's like, okay. You know, uh, Jerry screaming, Kramer screaming. Let's get Newman to scream this time to differentiate the scene. Okay. All right. There you go. All right, Keeve. Uh, that's the blood. Yeah. Wacky episode. Yeah. Pretty wacky. Lots of uh, crazy stuff here going on. Uh, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we've got the junk mail. Also, maybe one of the least remembered episodes of season nine. We got Jerry wants the saw, but he gets a fan. Elaine dates the whiz. George dates his cousin. Kramer tries to cancel his mail. Well, Wilford Brimley showing up. It's the junk mail. <laughs> Wilford Brimley. That's right. Wow. He's the head of the mail. <laughs> the master uh, post office guy. Okay. So uh, that's coming up uh, next week. Do we have a hashtag for today? Do you have anything? No, nothing that I wrote down. Except, I mean, there's a lot of funny, like weird things in the episode, but not like jokes from yeah. our podcast, like putting skin singles and stuff. But Right. Right. Um, you know, uh, we did talk about our trigger warning that we need to have uh, moving forward. I don't know if that's yeah. hashtag worthy. No, I have also feel like there's a lot of like trigger warning or like snowflake stuff that that stuff is sort of, you know, like you'll have a lot of competing hashtags. Right. But but what our literal our hashtag, are you sitting down? Oh, are you sitting down? You want are you sitting down? We could do that. Yes. OK. So then then people know that will get the word out. All right. So, uh, Keeve, if people haven't listened to us uh, talk about the hot takeoff on the 32 fans podcast, uh, be sure to check that out. Yeah, check it out. A fun time was had by all. Okay. Uh, and then uh, what else? Uh, we've got another episode coming up on Monday, so we'll be right around the corner. Um, how, are we inside uh, the final 20 now? I believe I believe uh, this is this is it. I believe we're 160 this episode, right? Yeah. Did you want to touch on any of the updating from uh, Sean Falconer, what he's been working on? I have no idea what he's been working on. Oh, that, does he not send these emails to you? No, I don't have anything. No, yeah, I think you just uh, you checked the email before. Oh, oh, okay, sorry. Yes, yeah, he. We just got it. Sorry during the during the episode. I thought you meant. Yes, like, he's been uh, reaching want- out to Kenny Kramer to try to set up a group uh, Seinfeld tour. Yeah, so he said Kenny could do a Sunday private tour for up to sixty people. That's seventeen hundred fifty bucks. We're twenty nine dollars a person. That's assuming we get sixty people to come on the. Yeah, Kenny Kramer I think tour. probably more like ten. Uh, that's a dis- that's a discounted price. Basically, a steal. Sean would travel. Uh, he'd be down to travel to New York if there was actual listener interest. He's already dedicated three years of listening to this episode. What's a cross-country trip to take with a tour, with a tour to someone tangentially related to a show that's been off the air for 20 years, really dropping the bucket at this yeah. point? It's important for us to celebrate the exciting conclusion to the greatest Seinfeld recap podcast that's ever been attempted by two guys named Robin. Well, here's my He's question. Assuming. 
That yeah. is the Kenny Kramer tour only available during. Is it seasonal? Because uh, that that you're not going to be in New York until the fall. Uh, does right. he shut it down for like the Hamptons? I mean, I think he could probably bring it back up. I don't know what, what the dates were. We're going to have to go back and forth with Falcon here. Someone else also offered maybe doing it at Monk's, the, you know, or Tom's, the yes. restaurant that, that the exterior. Like that seems maybe more realistic and less and cheaper since I think they might give us the restaurant for free. Yeah. Although I think that the uh, I, I don't know why we couldn't do potentially both. Like, I, I don't oh, know. Yeah, we I, could do both. I just thought like people will be sick of us by after an hour. I don't know if people want to spend the whole day with us on the Kenny Kramer tour and then listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, I feel like, yeah, I, I do wonder with the restaurant. I think it'd be hard to hear us. Right. We'd have to work it out with them. Like if it was at, like, how could we get like even if they said like, oh, maybe if people buy a drink or a food or like it would still be cheaper than. The Kenny Kramer right, we'll, tour. We'll, we'll work all this out, but uh, yeah, we'll work it you know, out. We still have twenty episodes to figure it out. Yes, twenty episodes. Um, we got we got some time. This is not until at least October. So. Okay. All right. Well, uh, so we just need to find out from Kenny Kramer if uh, the tours go into the fall. Right. Okay. And, uh, and but anyway, if it does, this would actually interest you. Uh, it would, but I feel like that also your Jets football schedule. Um, potentially is going to be problematic on a Sunday. Mm, good point. Yeah. yeah, But maybe not. I don't know. There's a Thursday game. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. We could, some of the stuff we could probably discuss off air. All right. I'm not sure. uh, look, we, we've discussed everything on the air. This is, That's uh, true. We're there there is book. no off air. It's, it's like Seinfeld. Nothing happens when there's no episodes. Right. It's just the same thing with us. We don't talk until it's the next episode. Everything is content. People like that. They want to be part of the... They, they, they want to see how the sausage gets made. No, again, no pun intended. Yeah, no, very, they want to see behind all, the curtain. All intended. All right. Uh, oh, they want to see under the sheets. Right. <laughs> We're eating the sandwiches. All right. Uh, so, By the way, that's the craziest part of it. Like, everything is going... I know it's like a show and you can't show too much, but like, everything that's going on is like under the sheets. Yeah. I feel like it's getting hot under there uh, at a certain yeah, point. I'm sure. And everybody has... Uh, is, is very like, well dressed under the sheets. In the history of like lovemaking, right. nobody's ever like just been under... Like, unless you're like hiding from someone. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I, I don't know. I'm no expert, there's a lot of noises like, coming out of there. I think that Jordan, I think noises. that um, that uh, that Tara, she might be a real Meryl Streep faker too. Yeah, I think she she learned from Elaine. That's yeah. right, fake, and, and fake, Vivian fake, fake. too. That's true. That's true. I think with fake, George, fake, the, the more fake, the quicker fake. you fake, the the sooner it's over. The moaning, I, I the yelling, the yeah, fake, fake. Okay. That's right, Keeve. Uh, great work once again on this doubleheader that we've done here today. Right back at you. And, of course, uh, thanks so much to Scott St. Pierre, who I, I have to give even more credit for, that he got the Monday podcast up so quickly. We recorded on Monday Props. afternoon. By Monday night, that was up in the feed, and everybody uh, was able to stand down. People were very worried. Hopefully, he didn't leave any of our hateful comments in, and he actually edited it. I didn't listen. No, I don't think he did. Uh, and also, I will add in that uh, we did not miss a week last week. No, that didn't count as a miss. We still only have one miss in uh, 160 episodes. Right. We ended up with that we just were two days late. Yeah, well, really one day late almost. Sometimes it comes out Sunday. I guess Saturday night. It depends on what time zone you're right. on. Right. But the, uh, yeah, the, no, one, no one's really calling us out on that. We're fine. Right. So, so that's good. All right. So great job, Scott St. Pierre. Great job uh, to Mike Moore for the episode recap. We'll be back next week to talk about the junk mail. Take care, everybody. Bye. 